0: You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights which help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. I'm your host, Asher Matthew. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic intent and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to talk with David Gray. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much for having me. Thanks for joining us. So, David, let's start with you telling us about your journey in sales and marketing, because you told me a little bit of it in the pre-interview, and I would love for the listeners to grasp it, into it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I almost consider myself to be a bit of a marketer built with sales DNA. So I started my career uh, really learning the uh, the B2B sales craft through working through you know big organizations like AT&T and Xerox, and I spent 15 years in the field as a hunter and then I had an opportunity to uh, really sort of make a pivot in my career by uh, parlaying that experience into marketing. So for the last 10 years, I've been a marketer. And now my role currently today is I'm the uh, the VP of partner and digital experience marketing within Epsilon, which is now a division of Publicis. So it's a very exciting you know, role, uh, capitalizing on the experience I have in sales.
0: That's fantastic. And, you know, this is so timely because a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast, which our listeners will get to hear about as well, where we actually talked about the importance of salespeople doing some time in marketing or marketing people spending some time in sales to get an appreciation for the nuances, the language, just trying to understand each other better. And that would align people and, and messages and bring more in. Uh, Revenue collectively. And so to that end, you actually talked a little bit about sales reps being an underutilized channel. Can you dive into that?
1: Yeah, and I think it's um it's a really important topic. It's a such a big opportunity for brands today, whether you're you know B2B or B2C. So, you know, looking at all the channels that brands are marketing through, email, display, mobile, social, you name it, sometimes brands forget that. The sales teams, the sales reps as a sales channel, a marketing channel, may be somewhat overlooked as the most important secret weapon. Now, of course, brands always know that the sellers are the front line. They are the the key uh, fulcrum of the sales funnel to close deals. However, if brands are not looking at them as a, a very strategic channel from multiple stages of the funnel they can almost be looked at as a highly informed marketer while they're selling. And I've, I've seen organizations do a good job of sort of enablement and training throughout years and throughout the calendar year, or you see organizations just have a sales kickoff impart knowledge and they're just selling throughout the quarter without reinforcement along the way. And it's a big opportunity. Um, yet i think that there there needs to be a few things that come together in terms of that alignment and and buy in
0: so this is great because we actually had somebody who talked about sales enablement from juniper a three or four podcasts ago so and i asked her the same thing i was said can you just define sales enablement because it seems like that big umbrella word that means something different to every, everybody. So I'm going to ask you to do, to do the same. If you can please define sales enablement in your way, because you just are trying to tell us about a new way of thinking about sales enablement.
1: Sure, yeah. And you're right. Everyone does have their own definition. I think a lot of the definitions, they, they're almost aimed at the same thing of really building marketing tools and programs that are engaging buyers across sort of the, the, the customer journey and the client-facing initiatives. Uh, And the way that I look at it is, is by creating advocacy and programs and different, um, you know, value related um, assets and tools that are going to put reps in a position of becoming a marketer and understanding, you know, it's not just a white paper, it's not just a blog post, but really being able to enable them in the field with really really good sort of marketing muscle that's going to further their relationships, you know, at every stage of the funnel. And it's not, you know, here's another thing, it's it's not just field marketing. I think a lot of these things can somewhat overlap. You know, you've got field marketing, you've got account-based marketing, you've got sales enablement. They're all very much related in terms of content strategy, go-to-market, distribution, and there's measurement and reporting. But ultimately, you know, the one word that I really love is enablement. If a marketing organization can enable the sellers better in the field, then we've all won together. And marketing and sales are still so siloed. I almost see this as a bit of a missing link. It's kind of a bridge between those two efforts. And if it's done the right way, that should be sort of an always on channel, not just a one off, but something that's always on.
0: Sounds like you have a framework for operation, operationalizing uh, sales enablement. So, let's unpack that.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I think we had talked a little bit before this podcast about, you know, what are some of those operational issues? I think one of the most important is you really need to get buy-in from some of the top-level executives. Now, it doesn't it may not have to be, you know, Everyone signing off by committee, but if you can gain some real advocacy, like a champion and an executive to sponsor this, and start working with an individual team, a vertical, and start to build that and show results, then you're able to prove that you know your process is helping folks in the field, and that we're really partnering together. You know, collaboration is so important. Doing sort of joint planning and development with this go-to-market. But I do think it starts at the top, and may not be as operational, it's more philosophical. Um, more operational might be the development of content and arriving on what that go-to-market message is, then distribution. And of course, there's sales enablement technology, but that technology isn't always the answer. I think the things that come before that step are the most important.
0: Totally. and you know in all of my time of working with sales and development professionals there's always the you have to pause and look to see if the other person is ready for being enabled and 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 that moment of discernment here you know, is 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 key and and the issue is that moment actually takes time to build because it is so relationship oriented your yeah. thoughts on that
1: that's a that's a really good point. And, and I've seen and I've been part of examples where the programs that we're, you know, helping reps with, they may not be ready. And we don't want to force it on them, but at least we can provide it and it's going to always be there. And it's kind of like content. You know, a lot of brands are big into developing lots of content. That machine is always on. It's constantly pushing out. And I think the brands that do it well, they're never expecting a return. Now, of course, there is a bit of a Trojan horse underneath there is that the more that you give away, you're going to get back in return. But we really just need to look at this in terms of, I think the more that we can share as knowledge and solutions, the better off we are as an industry, as an organization, as as a go-to-market effort. That That's probably one of the the more important things that sharing that information is going to help the clients, it's gonna help your industry, it's gonna help your reps, and that's really important. And and the brands that do it well, it, it comes off as not forced, and that's important too.
0: Totally agreed. I mean, in another podcast, we were actually talking about consent moments, right? Which was all about making sure that you don't scare people. Like if my phone is telling me that I need to go pick up my daughter, uh and and it's i'm gonna be late if i don't leave right now i'm like i'm thinking that's too much right and so so i'm i'm totally tracking tracking with you on it um now is there a success story or a failure in sales enablement or is uh, that you can share with us that can kind of highlight a little bit more around some of the stuff that you're talking about
1: Oh absolutely you know we we thought that the answer to sales enablement was to invest in a sales enablement technology and we did a few years ago and we we had spent a lot of time researching the market and looking at different vendors and we we brought in a provider and we we stood it up it took a little bit of time But the organization wasn't ready for it. We had not done the enough due diligence to build the advocacy and really define what is sales enablement and what do we need? And we thought that, you know, the field of dreams, if we build it, they will come and it didn't work. And so we pulled back from that. We decided not to um, continue with that vendor or even just roll out that technology. We realized that getting down to the basics and running the drills of developing Positioning, messaging, and that plan is so fundamental to how we go to market. It's really most important to define what's your go to market and then also develop a, you know, almost a sales enablement organization and philosophy. And then, you know, other things like technology can come. So we learned our lesson. It wasn't the technology, and that was not the answer. You've got to get that heart of. What is it we're looking to accomplish and what's that strategy?
0: Terrific. And, you know, you shared three takeaways with me, and I would love for people to to hear them as well, because I really feel like all the stuff that we're talking about comes very clear in the takeaways. And then let's unpack the takeaways a little bit so people can think about how to tactically shape sales enablement in their organizations.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's almost like a case study is, you know, there are always three parts of, of every story. I think it really begins with advocacy. As I said before, is it's important to start with, you know, a key sort of sales leader, build advocacy, executive sponsorship um, is extremely important. If we're not getting the advocacy, then the rest of it probably won't stick. The number two is to develop a playbook. Um, you know, a a blueprint, uh, a go-to-market strategy. It could also be like phase one. It could be one of a number of different phases that we want to roll out. And that's important to look at in terms of phases because it's not just a one-and-done playbook because those phases will roll into the third key takeaway, which is momentum and cadence. If you're developing a sales enablement strategy, you've got great advocacy, you're developing a playbook, and as you're actioning this with consistency over time and you build a calendar and you stick to that momentum, then it's going to build upon it. And and those, I think, are the three sort of key tenets of developing something that could really be sustainable.
0: Terrific. And, you know, I always find that people will do the advocacy part really well or at least will attempt it because they know it sales leaders love to talk they love to empathize and marketers love to share what they're working on right so there's always that kumbaya camaraderie moment that happens right and then it comes down to like let's go operationalize a playbook and then they outsource that yeah and and i i feel like that's not right but i would love to get expert guidance from you
1: well you know if, if you're gonna outsource it i mean I think outsourcing things such as you know a content piece of video that's that's terrific that that could be well done but if if you're gonna build a practice around sales enablement, why would you outsource your playbook you you've gotta you know it can be fairly you know simple and then build more detail as you're you know creating that playbook but that playbook's gotta come from within there has to be yeah you know a joint It's really a joint playbook that you're doing between sales and marketing. It can't just be, you know, the marketing tower is going to develop the playbook and we're going to roll it out. And then sales, we just assume sales is going to, you know, sink their teeth into it. That playbook must be done with sales together.
0: Terrific. And and, uh, and it requires some investment, you know, like there's an investment of time. And on average, what do you think or how much time do you think it takes to develop a playbook? Or how much time should we give to it? Like, how should we think about the time investment of this thing?
1: Well, there are a few ways of approaching it. I mean, a lot of organizations are going through annual planning, sometimes in Q4, and then they're rolling it out in January. And then throughout the year, you know, they're they're executing against those goals. You know, that that's one approach. Another way of looking at it is, you know, kind of an agile process where if there might be a new initiative and we're looking to, you know, create awareness and go to market around a new solution is to... Come up with a plan, but realize that we want to get to market in a certain time. And let's begin with the end in mind and let's backdate all the steps you need to be able to bring that to market. So, you know, a playbook could be done, you know, within um, a month or two, but it, you don't have to look at it in terms of, okay, this is our annual plan for everything. We don't want to boil the ocean. So there may be a few different approaches there. Perfect, and I
0: really love that you're honing in on this because I think this is really important. People need to give it the time and and let it sink in, and then iterate on it so that it's an ongoing exercise. And I almost look at this as a capability; it's not just a one-time thing. Um, great, thank you for sharing that. Um, and you, who are like, as we kind of bring this podcast to a close, uh, who are two other people that you would recommend that we bring onto the podcast?
1: So, two people that I have in mind. The first one is Jeff Smith. Uh, He's a a former manager of mine and uh, a mentor and a friend. He is the CMO of Centrical. Uh, They focus on the employee experience. He's a terrific thought leader. He'd be great to add on here. And then the second one is a guy named by the name of Reed Janauer. And he's the CMO of Smule, formerly of Magisto. He's also a well-known musician from a number of national touring bands like Assembly of Dust and Strange Folk. He's a great thought leader. He has a really good perspective, and he's been on lots of podcasts. So those are two people I would like to recommend.
0: That's great. That's totally awesome. And so I always end or I list almost almost end with this question because I want people to remember this podcast and take some action out of it. So if we were to convert this podcast to a hashtag, what would you like it to be?
1: Uh, That's a great question. This was inspired from our latest sales kickoff. It's hashtag we're all in sales. And the, mean, awesome. the meaning behind that is, you know, you have operations, people, content, creative, marketing, and sales. Everything that we're all focused on should all be part of a selling journey. We're all here to help the sales engine, and we should all consider ourselves in sales.
0: That's awesome. So, David, if people want to connect with you after this podcast, can they do that?
1: Absolutely. I am on LinkedIn Um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm not as frequent on Twitter, but I'm um, located through, you know, David Gray, G-R-A-Y. My middle initial is C. I work at Epsilon and I'm pretty active within LinkedIn um, as well as Instagram.
0: Terrific. And if it's okay, can people email you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, The best email is probably through either my Epsilon email or Gmail. Would you like me to give those? yes please that would be awesome so my epsilon sure thing my epsilon email is a uh, david dot gray g r a y at epsilon.com, dot com e p s i l o n dot com or my gmail is the longer is cauins sixty seven at gmail that's c a u l k i n s sixty seven at gmail dot com
0: that's awesome all right folks with that we're going to wrap up another episode of the Sunny Side Up podcast where we bring you sales and marketing thought leaders. And so, David, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Asher. This is great. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And more importantly, share these insights with your peers.